Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Freedom House Church. I am so glad that you are here today. And not only all of those who are in the room, but I want to welcome everyone who is watching online right now. We have the Cayman Islands, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Delaware, Tennessee, New York, Florida, Kentucky, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, California, and Virginia. Welcome to Freedom House. We are so glad that you are joining in. I just cannot think of a better way to start off this year than by fasting. We are starting our fast today as a church, all of us believing together. Um, And then also really digging in this entire month on prayer because I really think that prayer sometimes, um, we don't really understand the power of it. How many times have people said to you, oh, my thoughts and prayers are with you? Almost like thoughts and prayers are synonymous and that they carry the same amount of weight or power, and they don't. And there's nothing wrong with saying my thoughts are with you or my prayers are with you, but I think sometimes we don't understand that they aren't the same. Our thoughts and our prayers to God, they don't carry the same weight. And I think sometimes we can be desensitized to the actual power that is in prayer, which is why so many times when we are going through something dark, when we are going through something painful, the tendency is just want to pull back and to isolate. But I want to talk to you today um, about what it looks like when we give God our messy prayers what it looks like when we just come before God and, man, it's just messy and downright ugly. I want to go through the book of Psalms and I want to talk about David and the other psalmists and how they prayed because those psalms, those songs are actually prayers that were publicly recorded and given to the people so they could learn and establish how to pray to God. Now, 
I don't know about you, but if I was a leader like David, you know, the king, and all of my prayers, my ugliness, my nastiness, everything that I would walk through and go through, all my prayers were going to be written down for other people, I might want to polish those up a little bit. You know, I might want to make myself look like I'm not going through some of the things that I'm actually going through. But David didn't do that. He let it all out. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 1 through 150, the entire book, there's every kind of prayer you could imagine. There's David complaining to God. There's his anger, his intense suffering, the fear, the abandonment, the rejection, the agony. But then there's also the marvel and the wonder and the majesty of God all wrapped into one. He's feeling all of these different things. Why is it okay that he's written those down and expressed all of those for us to read all these years later? Because of faith that can't allow for the expression of our humanity will always be inadequate and inept. So here is David pouring his heart and his soul out. At times it's tender and full of trust, and other times it's raw and he's very angry. Like this, here is is the Psalms 8. It's just so beautiful in his description of God's majesty. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Then there's Psalms 42, which is so full of doubt. It's like this juxtaposition. God, you're wonderful, and God, you're great. But then it's as the deer pants for the water brooks. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When can I just die? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? David was back and forth in his feelings and his prayers and his crying out. The Psalms actually give our pain permission to express the reality of our situation and the hope for a different outcome. But so many times the the things that we are feeling are experiencing, we, we don't know if we should really let it out or if we should keep it in. We don't really know what to do at times with our prayers. I remember as a little girl, and for those of you who have either read my book or you've heard me speak, my childhood was so bad and so hard, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, raised by a narcissistic mother, and always longing as a little girl to have a daughter one day where I could have a relationship with a little girl because I never got to have that mother-daughter relationship. It was something that even when I was a small girl, I could not wait for that day. Thought about it all the time. By the time I was 16, I even had my daughter's name picked out. I said, when I have a little girl, one day I'm going to name her Cabell. It was just this dream I had for all these years. Well, when Troy and I began to um, start the process of having a family, it was a big struggle and things weren't as easy as we thought they would be. There was lots of issues and problems and um, ended up uh, getting pregnant, had a, had a son, and they said, well, we don't know if that will ever happen again. 
And lo and behold, um, about a year and a half later, find out that I am pregnant and, you know, a couple months go by and I'm, I'm going in. Um, my doctor's office was actually at a hospital. So I was going into the hospital. This was the day I was going to find out what I was going to have. The most exciting, I could not wait. I was like, this has got to be my little girl. This has got to be my little cabal that I have prayed for my entire life. This has to be it. And I remember just like riding up in the elevator, looking at all the pictures in the hallway, going down the hallway. And then I get in for the ultrasound, and they're taking a really long time. And, and I can't figure out what's going on. This is my second kid, so I know it's not supposed to take this long. They're ripping off pictures. They're leaving the room. This keeps happening over and over, trying to process and figure out what's going on. I look at my husband. He's sitting in the corner praying in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, something's up. He knows something's up. The, the, the tech is coming in and out of the room. Something's happening right here, and I keep asking, what's going on? And they said, the doctor will be in in a minute. The doctor will be in in a minute. Well, in comes the doctor, and not just one, but two. One is um, my OB. The other is a perinatologist. Now, I never knew what a perinatologist was before, but it's someone who specializes in issues when there are babies in utero. And so she says to me, I, I need you um, to have a seat, and I want to tell you something um, about your little girl's brain. Now, I didn't even know at that point that I was having a daughter, and she says all of this in the same sentence, your little girl and her brain. And so there's this part of me, I don't even know how to process. I'm like, okay, this is the baby I'd always prayed for, this little girl, but she didn't say her pinky toe. She said her brain. That, that This is serious. There's two doctors in here, and one of them is holding a box of tissues and handing it to me, and I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes. And she said, your baby has either trisomy 18 or trisomy 21, which means, worst case scenario, that she will be dead by her first birthday if she makes it to, um, to birth. Best case scenario is she will be uh, mentally uh, uncapable. She has so many issues and holes in her brain that she will not be able to function. And I'm just sitting there and one aspect going, this is my little girl, but this isn't how I pictured hearing about my little girl. And I just sobbed. I just sobbed my eyes out. And I was trying to like keep it all in. I was trying to be brave and, and know that God is my refuge and my strength. But there were these other things that were going on internally. And I remember just going home, sobbing and crying and just pulling the covers up. I was distraught. And I remember just the Lord having a conversation with me, wanting me to talk, wanting me to engage with him. And I didn't want to. 
You see, part of me was like, David, God, you're amazing. You're majestic. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The other part of me is, what are you trying to do to me? God, like, this is something I dreamed of my whole life. Why are you doing this? What are you, what are you trying to punish me? Have I not been through enough in life already? Could, could you not just give me a pass on this? Why did this have to happen? You know everything I've gone through and how I've always pushed through and how I've always served you. Could you not just make something in my life easy? Do I really have to go through this right now? Or are you like this God that dangles a golden carrot in front of my face only to yank it back? And I just began to over the next three days, just let out my pain and my hurt. And it was scary because, you know, I'm telling God how mad and angry at him I am. But in the same hand, he's the only one that can fix the situation. And so there's this juxtaposition in my heart of, I'm mad at you, but I love you. Sounds like marriage, right? And so I'm, I'm trying to process all of this. And, and it's like he was just saying, give me more. And I'm like, you want me to tell you? I will tell you how I feel. I feel like you're jipping me. You're ripping me off right now. I've been through enough. When is enough enough? How much can one human take? And you know what? God wasn't scared of my hurt. He wasn't scared of my pain and it wasn't wrong to let it out to him because see, I was feeling that inside. I just didn't know how to give my pain expression and let it out in the right way. And by doing that, by letting out how I was truly feeling, not trying to put the Christian labels on it and go, God, this hurts, but blessed be ye, the king. No! I'm mad at you. What are you doing? This is what I dreamed about. You know I didn't have a mom. Why? And in the process of letting that out, not the, you know, cute little phrased words, but just saying, God, I feel raw. I feel broken. Letting that out then it was just like David in his Psalms. But God, I know you're faithful. I know you'll be there despite my hurt, despite my pain. I don't understand this. But God, I trust you. And that was at the point where my husband came in and kind of pulled the covers out. And he's like, get up, fight. We're not, mm-mm. I've given you three days. Come on, let's get up, fight. And I was ready. Because I was real with what I was walking through. And when we don't express it to a God who can do something about it, then what happens is we stuff it and we pour it out on somebody that can do absolutely nothing to help our situation. Now, God showed up big and he healed our daughter and she is getting ready to turn 22. She's the sweetest, kindest thing with a little side serving of sass, a little sarcastic humor. 
But I'm going to tell you what, that was the most painful thing I'd ever been through in my life. And I did not know how to express that to God because it felt wrong. Well, if I tell you how mad I am, well, maybe you're going to withhold healing her. Or if I tell you how I really feel, maybe that means I don't love you. We are so afraid to be real and honest with God. And if there's anybody we should be able to be real and honest with, it should be the one who gave us breath into our lungs. Jesus was so real. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew this was his purpose to go to the cross. He is so distraught. And he's got so much pressure on him. The Bible says that literally... He began to sweat drops of blood. That's only happened to a few people in recorded history because of their intense pain. And all of them died because of it. The amount of agony that Jesus is in. And in the midst of him knowing his purpose, his call, the plan all along. He's like, God, if you can take this from me. I don't want to do this. I feel so bad right now. I could literally die. He expressed how he really felt because he had an earth suit. He had a flesh that his spirit lived in just like you and me. And on this side of eternity, we got to be real with what we're walking through. We can't expect for God to make the great exchange when we won't even tell him the truth of what we're dealing with. We're like trying to hide it or hold it back. Jesus also on the cross. In this moment of darkness. Of feeling like everything in the whole world has gone wrong. Because literally sin had been placed on him. He's like God why have you forsaken me? Every single one of us. Have felt that before. But God is the only one who truly understands us. But usually he's the last one we go to. I remember in the car I had something that was very painful happen. And I remember picking up the phone and calling my husband and saying, Babe, this happened and I'm, I'm hurt, I'm bothered. And, and I just like wanted him to kind of fix it. And he did what husbands do, and he led in a moment where I didn't even really want to be led. But that's what husbands do. That's what our men do. They lead no matter what. And he says to me, so when you took this to God, what did he say? And I was like, if he would have been in this car right now, I would have punched him in the face. I was like, well, I mean, you are my husband. I mean, I thought I'd bring it to you. I'll be number two, but I should never be number one. So I had to hang up the phone, talk to God, and then call him back. And then I didn't need the answer from him because I'd already gotten it from him. And then I just told him, I'm good. But how easy is it for us to pick up the phone instead of go to the throne? How easy is it? How easy? Well, well I, maybe my prayers aren't right, or I just don't know how to pray, or I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can say it right, or that feels too vulnerable, or maybe we've just gotten lazy. Whatever the reason is, God wants us to return back to him. Let it out. Let it be messy. 
I have never in my life one time ever met a person that hasn't at some point in their life doubted God's existence or for that matter his care. In Psalm 13, we hear this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But, despite all of that, but I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Do you see what happens when we just get it out? The toxicity, all the things we're holding on to come out and we give it to the Lord and we become a clean vessel and we quickly come in line to the word of God. But so many times we're afraid to express it. David had so many enemies that were after him. Starting as a young boy, he had the lion and the bear. And then as a teenager, Goliath, then King Saul, who was his father-in-law, who was supposed to be a family member that loved him, that cared for him. But he was so jealous, so he came after him trying to kill him. His very own son, Absalom, turned on him took people in David's kingdom and tried to unseat David. And on top of it, his best counselor, his friend, his confidant went along with the rebellion with his son. David faced so much hurt and pain, not to mention just leading a kingdom, leading people in general and the enemies that are brought up just because of that. So here is David walking through all these things. Those are the external battles. Then you've got the internal battles of fear and discouragement and loneliness and insecurity. David had a lot of enemies. But in the Psalms, we see there are four different prayers, four types of prayers that David prays. And I want to give you those four prayers today. So we can replicate those in our life. So we can understand whether we're in the valley or whether we're on top of the mountain. We can let it go to our guide and God and find the healing that we need. The first prayer that you see prayed in the Psalms is a prayer of blessing. The prayers of blessing. It's basically a prayer that is just asking God for his favor. God, can your hand, can your favor be upon me? In Psalm 67, it says, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. 
Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, God. Our own God shall bless us. God shall bless us, and the ends of the earth shall fear him. You know, I see most Christians today, we kind of do one of two things with this prayer of blessing. Either we believe that we shouldn't be praying for God's blessing, which kind of runs through the veins of Christianity sometimes. We, we believe that we shouldn't pray for God's blessing or expect God's hand of blessing, to be honest. This lets us know that's not true. But then the other thing I can see is where most of our prayers we spend here. God bless me, God bless my family, bless my health, bless my business, and we tend to camp right here, but there are other prayers that we should be praying as well. Another one in the Psalms is the prayers of repentance. Now, what I'm going to do over these next few verses um, that I'm going to read to you is I want to make it a little bit more plain and a little more clear. I want to actually show you in Psalms what David was specifically going through when he wrote the Psalms. Because I think it's one thing to go, oh my gosh, this psalm is great. It sounds so poetic. We think it's like this polite poetry. And it's more than that. So the next psalm that I'm going to read to you, this is a prayer of repentance. And it was after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He saw her out bathing when he was on his rooftop. And, you know, it's like my husband says, it's not the first look that'll get you. It's the second look. So he looks and he begins to stare and then he begins to long for her. And he has his people bring her up and he sleeps with her and eventually finds out that she is pregnant. And so he's, he's having a moment here because he knows that her husband is out on the battlefield. And he's got to try to cover what he's done. He doesn't want anybody to find out. So he says, okay, bring Uriah home from the battlefield and, and tell him he needs to go enjoy his wife before he goes back on the battle, that we're just going to give him a little time here, trying to, you know, cover up that he's the father. And Uriah comes back and he's like, king, I, I, can't, I can't be doing this when my men are out risking their lives. So here he is knowing he's got to come up with another plan to cover his sin. So what does he do? He says, all right, all right, send Uriah out back on the battlefield and put him on the front lines. This way I know he'll be killed. And then I can take her as my wife. Tragedy averted. Nobody will know what I've done until the prophet Nathan comes to him and confronts him about what he's done. He says, you may think nobody knows, but God knows and I know what you have done. And here is the psalm that he writes after he's confronted by Nathan. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions and wash me. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. 
Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be made clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This is David after he's been confronted by his deep sin. And the thing that I love about this psalm is the fact that David never makes excuses. He never says, but I'm just a man and there was a naked woman across the street. I mean, what else am I supposed to do? Anybody would have done the same thing. He never says that. He assumes full responsibility for his actions. And I love the word wash that is used twice here. That word is an intense word in the Hebrew, and it's the word kabas. And it literally means, it's not washing like you would a plate or a dish. It means an intense beating and pounding until you thoroughly make that thing clean. Here is David going, God, purge me, beat me, clean me, get me clean. I'm sorry. When we do something wrong, is that our countenance? Here's another prayer in Psalms. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. And prayers of thanksgiving are literally just prayers that express our gratitude or our thankfulness to God. And here is right after David defeated Goliath. He doesn't say, everyone, I am so great. I am so amazing. Look at me. I'm young, and I was able to do this because I am just that good. He doesn't do that. Psalms 9, he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When you get that big deal at work, you close the deal, or you get a promotion, or something amazing happens in your world. Do you start to think that you've arrived, or you're a big deal, or is the first thing out of your mouth, thank you, God. Thank you for that promotion. Thank you for that raise. Thank you for the new house, God. Thank you for this child that you've given me. So many times when God blesses us or gives us something, the very blessing, the new job, the new house, the new child, we take those things and now those are reasons why I'm disconnected from God. Well, I don't have time to spend with you. I don't have time to go to church anymore. I'm a mom now. I've got this new job. It's got me spinning. I've got this new house and I've got to, you know, overhaul everything. God wants us to put him first and to praise him. Number four, our prayers of petition or intercession. 
It's basically asking for something earnestly, being relentless in prayer. There's a fervency. It could be on behalf of ourselves or on behalf of our others. And I will be honest with you, when I sat and read this psalm, Psalm 55, I bawled my eyes out because of the intensity of it. I, I went a little deeper and I studied on it. This is the psalm that David wrote after his son betrayed him. After his flesh and blood tried to form a coup behind his back and actually dethrone him and kill him. And then he finds out not only is Absalom, his son, doing this, but Ahithophel, who is his, literally his confidant, the one he would always go to in matters of the kingdom, who would help him, who would be there for him, turned his back on David and linked up with Absalom, that rebellious spirit, someone who, who had a covenant with David, who was close with David and, and his own flesh and blood. The devastation that someone might feel and then we read this psalm, and this is David writing this right afterwards, knowing the city he was leading was in turmoil, and people were starting to turn against him. Could you imagine what your words might look like if that was you? Let's read David's in Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. Now understand, these psalms were written down by scribes and they were put out there for people as a pattern for prayer. I don't know, just being honest, if I was going through this, if I would put that out there for everyone. There is a, a openness that happens in prayer that David wants to exemplify. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they bring down trouble upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me. Literally that translates physically his heart is having literal palpitations. Because of the agony. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. I literally, any hour, any moment, there is an expectation that they're going to barge here into the castle and they are going to massacre me. Any moment, any second. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. And horror has overwhelmed me. That word horror right there, you don't see that word ever being used. is an extremely, extremely rare word because of the intensity of the feelings. He's literally saying, I, I, I'm describing this in a way like no one else could. The horror that he's feeling. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape. I, I, I wouldn't pray for the wings to fly away. or I wouldn't pray uh, for strength 
like an ox. I would, I would pray for wings to fly away. I'm not trying to endure this. I don't want to feel this. I'm not asking you to gird me up. Can you just let me run? This is so overwhelming. Help me run and escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. I'm watching what's happening to your people. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. This kingdom that I used to lead that was peaceful, it's in ruins. For it is not an enemy. This is what gets me. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, man of my equal, my companion and my acquaintance, my confidant. You are my confidant. You are my right hand. And you've hurt me in a way I don't even know how to describe. We took sweet counsel together. And we walked to the house of God in the throng, in the crowds together. It was always you and me going to church. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Can you hear the anguish coming out of him? And then he says, as for me, I will call upon my God. And the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud despite my agony. And he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them. Even he who abides from old, even my old friend. There were so many against me because they do not change. In other words, even though they've been in your life for a long time, if they don't change, you got to walk a different way. Because they do not fear God. He has put forth his hand against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. We literally had a blood covenant together and he broke it. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. He said all the right things. And he did all the right things. But his eyes, when I looked into his eyes, it betrayed him. I could see something wasn't right. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. And he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O oh God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. After getting all that out, after saying all of that, the last thing he says is, but I will trust 
in you. Will you stand on your feet? When you start to go in and you understand the story behind David's writings, you understand they're not just these eloquent words. They are deep cries from his heart. And I think some of us have bottled up those deep cries. We've tried to button up things that are going on in our life and in doing so, it's causing anxiety. It's causing worry. It's causing fear. And I just think today, we need to be honest and transparent with our prayers. We need to be honest and transparent with our prayers. Can I get the worship team to come on up here and stand beside me? Honest and transparent with our prayers. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? I wanna ask you right now in this moment to give expression to your pain, to give your pain permission to come out, and I want you just to begin with your mouth right there in your seat. The things that have been troubling you, worrying you, causing you fear, causing you anxiety, keeping you up at night, I want you to just begin to just say those things. God, I'm, I'm fearful about my financial situation. God, I'm, a, I'm afraid of the virus. God, I'm afraid of what's happening in our world and raising my children. God, I feel like you've left me. God, I feel alone. God, are you there? God, I'm dealing with cancer in my body. God, can you hear me? Whatever it is that you are walking through, I want you to just begin to let it go. Express your frustration, your anger. If you're having a marriage issue and you feel trapped like there's no way that it could get better, give it to God right now. Give Him your frustrations and we're just gonna sing over you as you just begin to let it go, as you begin to be honest and transparent and open up, let Him have it right now. Let His power wash over you. Y'all sing that out. Well, let all.
unless you let him have it. Just lift your hands up and just allow the Holy Spirit to just come on you. Come on. The power of presence of the Holy Spirit is here to break every burden. It's here to break every bondage. It's here to set the captives free. Come on.
right now. If you are in this room and you just say, you know what? I do not know the Lord like I need to know the Lord and I wanna do that right now. We never wanna have an opportunity where somebody comes in these doors and they, they do not have a moment where they can connect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because He is the only thing that can turn your marriage around, turn your situation around, remove depression, remove anxiety, remove fear. So right now, I want to ask you, if that's you, everyone bow your head, close your eyes. If that's you, I want everyone in the room just to join in. But if that's you, I want you to take your hand, put it over your heart right now. Say, that's me, that's me. Put your hand over your heart and let's all say this together. Those of you watching online too, say, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. And we believe that your son died on the cross and rose again for our sins. And we believe that he rose again so I could fulfill and walk out the purpose that you have for me in Jesus' name. Come on, David. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.